If you got one of the Bibles we just passed out, look to page 1006, and it's right in that area. And uh, just to help you where we're going to be today, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It's been a real joy to be a part of this, this fledgling church and to get to experience all that God has done. And I tell you, one of the most exciting things that we've talked about as a church is, is how are we going to measure success? How are we going to determine whether or not we are seeing God accomplish the mission that He wants to accomplish through us? And so we're in this series called Measures, where we've simply identified six things as a people that we look to as like the marks of a disciple, six items that will help us determine whether or not God is actually accomplishing this mission he wants to through us. It's been really a, quite a fun series, and I've gotten lots of feedback from you all about, about it, and it seems to be really resonating. You know, most churches measure success primarily by the ABCs, attendance, building, cash. And although those things are important, right? If you don't have people showing up, you don't have a place to meet, you don't have any money to do ministry, then you certainly don't maybe... Things aren't going quite like you think they should, but, but what we've said is we want to measure by these six words, connected, learning, passionate, free, generous, and loving. We believe that if someone is growing in increasing measure in these six areas, that we are accomplishing the mission that God has set before us. Well, today we want to talk about one of those mission measures, and it's the word connected. Jonathan did a good job of introducing it early in the service. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we begin to think about whether or not you are truly connected. First of all, in reference to connected with God, do you feel connected to God? Do you connect with God privately during the week? Or how about some some talk of connectivity in respect of other people. Do you have a 2 a.m. friend? One of my mentors and church planning coaches, Bruce Wesley, who pastors Clear Creek, where Jack and Natasha came from, they have this saying around there, talk about do you have a 2 a.m. friend, and I think it's so good. Do you have someone that you could call if you had a need at 2 a.m. and you would not even hesitate knowing that they'd be happy to hear from you? Do you have somebody that considers you a 2 a.m. friend. Now, we have several police officers that work night shifts, so for you all, um, this will be like, do you have a 2 p.m. friend where somebody's willing to call you and wake you up during the middle of the day? Are you connected to God, and are you connected to people? This is the conversation that we would begin to have, and if you were to come and sit with me and you say, you know, I really want to know whether or not I'm growing. Is the mission being accomplished in my life? I would say, well, first of all, do you have a 2 a.m. friend? Are you somebody else's 2 a.m. friend? Do you feel connected with God? Are you connecting with God during the week? These begin a conversation about it. Now, this conversation about being connected to other people specifically can get a little intimidating and make you feel a little weird and kind of wonder what you're getting into, right? Because, because we're insecure beings oftentimes and we've got kind of our own junk and the idea of connecting with another person and getting to know them and build a relationship with them can be a little intimidating. So we might feel like it's a bad thing rather than a good thing. I promise you it's a good thing. There's a story about uh, this church called St. Catherine's Monastery. It's near Mount Sinai, Egypt. And to this day, there are uh, these two rooms 
with these mummies inside the rooms that are connected by a chain in these, in the, these adjoining cells. And, and the story goes that 12 centuries ago, there were two monks who, in their youth, decided that they would commit themselves to connecting to God in prayer, but they knew they needed to be connected to somebody else. And so they chained themselves through a hole in the wall to another person in the adjoining cell. So what would happen is they were connecting with God and spending time in prayer. Uh, Whenever their time for praying was over, they would pull the chain, wake up the other guy, they'd go to sleep, and the other guy would wake up to connect with God. Maybe for you, when you think about the idea of connecting, it feels like this, like you're going to be enslaved to somebody else, and they're going to wake you from your sleep when you're not necessarily wanting it. I assure you, the kind of connecting that the Bible talks about is life-giving. Deep within you, because you're made in the image of God, is a need to be connected to other people, and more importantly, connected to Almighty God. So what this talk is, is it's a pushback on the mindset that allows for people to live disconnected from others. This idea of connection, it's a thread that runs throughout our vision because I believe it runs throughout the Bible. One of our four stated values is everyday connection. As I've already mentioned, uh, one of our mission measures is the word connected. One part of our strategy is to help people get connected. So it's not an arbitrary concept. Connecting and connectivity within the life of this church is so important. And the reason it's so important is because it is represented in the very nature of God. The way in which the God, the Father, relates and connects to God the Son, and God the Son relates and connects with God the Holy Spirit. This connectivity can be seen in the very character of God. We're made in the image of God, and though we are broken by sin and being restored in Jesus Christ, we have deep within us a need to connect. With that in mind, I want to read a passage out of Hebrews chapter 10, which I believe will help us see that we're to connect to God, we're to remain connected, and we're to be connected to other people. So would you stand to your feet, and let's read together Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Here's what it says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The author of Hebrews is writing this letter primarily to a group of Christians. Some of them are being uh, persecuted because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. They have been told that, that Jesus is enough and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is enough to satisfy God's uh, requirement for their righteousness and holiness before him. 
And so we get to this point, and it's a little unfair, frankly, and I get a little uncomfortable just kind of diving into the middle of a book like this, and sometime in the future, I'll just teach through all the book of Hebrews. But I think it's okay at this point as we're talking about connectivity. So he says, here's how the passage is laid out. It's really beautiful. He says, since this is true, then these three things are possible. And so since this is true, these three things are possible. So what we ought to do first is look at, well, what truth is he identifying? Here's what he says. He says, we have confidence, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, what we're going to have here is some imagery that reminds us of how Jews would enter into the tabernacle to worship Almighty God. There was a place in the tabernacle or the temple where, where the, only the high priest could go, and he would go there once a year, and it was called the Holy of Holies. And in this place, this high priest, this man set apart for this very unique purpose of God, had limited access to God. And what we're going to see is that through Jesus Christ, we have full access to God, not just the high priest, but all those that confess Jesus as Lord. We have confidence, he says, to enter the holy place. Now, let's back up a little bit here. We need to think about from the beginning how this is significant. You know, in the beginning, the Bible talks about this man and this woman that were created, Adam and Eve. Uh, They were created. God called them very good, and God was in perfect relationship with them. They were completely uh, connected to God, and the relationship was mysterious and rich and purposeful. There There was seamless totally connected a conversation and, and understanding there. But something happened. They sinned. They chose to disobey God. They wanted to take the role of God in their own lives. And so sin entered the world. And the very first thing they did after they chose to be their own CEO was they hid. They hid from God. They could no longer stand confidently in the presence of the man or the God who created them. The special connection that they had with Almighty God was lost. And so in the Old Testament, we, we see that God begins making a way for a group of people called the Israelites to have connection with him, but it was limited. It was a limited connection. And God was not connected to people all the time in the way that we see he can be in the New Testament. And so he was, had, his spirit was on certain people at certain times for certain reasons. Not everybody had access to God in the Old Testament. But when the time was right, God came in the form of a man. His name is Jesus. And what Jesus did was he laid his life down as a perfect sacrifice. So he became the lamb that was slaughtered so that no more animals would have to be sacrificed. The blood that was shed in the Old Testament sacrificial system merely covered up sin, hiding God's eyes from it, so to speak. But in the New Testament, when Jesus came as a perfect, sinless sacrifice, his blood made it possible for sin to be erased. Through Jesus, through this lamb whose blood was shed on our behalf, we can enter confidently into the presence of God. This is the wonder and the mystery of the gospel. It's kind of like this. I don't know what you like watching on TV, but one of my favorite shows to watch on TV is Lock Up. Anybody watch Lock Up? 
this show. So thank you, Luke. Me and you um, apparently don't have a life. Um, so one of my favorite shows is Lock Up, and so, so they get these, these people that are in prison, and they talk to them about the crimes that they've committed and the lives. You know what I'm talking about, Luke? Okay, we're good. And so, and so the, lives, the, the lives that they lead inside the prison, really pretty incredible. And I think sometimes I'm attracted to it because I'm like, I would, you know, there was a point in my life where I could be that guy, and so thank, that's what my other life would be like. Anyway, and, and so it, there's something that came to my mind as I was thinking about this limited access versus full access to God. It's the point in this show, Lockup, where they will have family members come visit them, and they will have to talk to family members through the big pane of glass on a telephone. Um, and I was thinking, like, like, okay, so the inmate, he's imprisoned because he's guilty of something, he can have access to whoever he's in relationship with, but it's very limited. It's very temporary. So think of it this way. Like before Christ, we're imprisoned. We don't have full access to God. And there is a way in which you can talk to God as an unbeliever, sure. But you don't have full access to him. You can't put your hands on him and your heart fully to him. But in Christ, it's as if We've been released. Somebody else is taking the punishment or took the punishment for the crime of sin that we committed. This is the gospel. So we've been released from our sin. We're no longer enslaved to it or imprisoned by it. We've been released, and now we have full access to whoever's on the other side of the glass. Full access to God Almighty. This is what he's saying is true. We have confidence to enter the holy place, the connection that was lost in sin is being restored through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says these words, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. Through Jesus, you can be connected with God Almighty. Many of you are. You've Gotten to a place like Jack and Jeff and Katie where you recognize that on your own, you cannot manage your own life. You need something else to deal with your sin and your brokenness to begin restoring you. That something else is Jesus. And the beautiful message of the Bible is that though you're imperfect, God sent one who is perfect so that you can enter his presence fully. This is the gospel. You say, well, what do I do? You know what? You did just like Jack said in his story. You say this. You say, God, I want you to enter my life fully. Forgive me. I've sinned. I recognize my sin is against you. Take over my life. Does that mean that things will always be better? No way. It means that you have access to God so that God's spirit can be working on you and making you and molding you, and it will be a lifelong journey of experiencing God working on you and making you more like Jesus Christ. We have confidence in Christ to enter the holy place. But he goes on here. Not only, or he says this, this is a truth, and then he posits three possibilities. And for the nerds in the room like me, the mood of the Greek tense in the next three points is what's called subjunctive. So it's a mood of possibility or probability. So these next three things will not happen for certain. They're not imposed on you, but you have the option of accessing God and others in this way. Listen, look here at verse 22. It says, 
since, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now that idea of our hearts being sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with water, it would make those first listeners think back to a passage like Exodus 24 where it says, Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So it reminded them of the ceremony, the Old Testament sacrificial system ceremony. And what, what the author of Hebrews is saying here is he's saying, that our hearts, we have been freed. The blood of Jesus Christ has been sprinkled on our lives. And so let us draw near to God Almighty with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Isn't that incredible that you can draw near to God because of what Jesus Christ did? And you ought to. Some of you, uh, like me, grew up with a, in a broken home and, you know, the purpose of a man and a woman, and their love for one another is to, to represent to the world Jesus' love for people in the church. And then when they have children, the way in which a father and a mother loves their children is supposed to set uh, a stage for that child's understanding of the way in which God loves them. And some of you, like me, grew up in homes where there, were, where there was a divorce and there was brokenness. And so you didn't connect with your father maybe in a way that you could. And so right now as an adult, you have a hard time connecting to God Almighty because of that. You're, you're insecure about, even though you profess Jesus as Lord, you're insecure about whether or not the father wants you to come and get in his lap, wants you to spend time with him. Well, you can. You can draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You can be completely sure of the fact that God Almighty wants you to draw near to Him, which is pretty incredible. Really, it is. One, one, 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have access to God. You know, I uh, uh, have a friend who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. His name is Thomas Gaffer, and he's been a huge encouragement to me through the years and has been a big supporter of this church for the last year. And, and I just spent some time with him this week just talking about all that God is doing. And when I was with him, I re- was reminded of one time when I went out and watched him play football. I think Justin Bremer's in here also. Justin's friends with him also. And we, he's gone up there. To, have you gone up there to see him play yet? Yeah. Okay. And... Um, and one thing that's really cool is when you go, um, you really, I mean, like these NFL athletes, these professional athletes, they're really, they are like gods. I mean, not I mean, like little G gods, but to, to people, they are like gods. And you get this bracelet. And we've got, did y'all get a bracelet? And with this bracelet, I mean, you, there's something about it. Like, you just feel awesome. I mean, like this closest thing I'll ever be to it, be like a rock star, you know. So I go to my seat. I've got this bracelet. And what I know that this bracelet is going to do for me after the game it's just giving me full access to the players. It's, I, mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm waiting for the game to be over because it was about sub 50 degrees, but that was another. But, but, but I'm waiting for the game to be over because I'm going to see what kind of access I get with this bracelet. Sure enough, I have this bracelet, and I'm with a, uh, oh, Jonathan. Jonathan's in here. We, were, were we together? Oh, yeah, we were together, Jonathan. Sorry to forget you back there. And so Jonathan and I, we had these bracelets. We go to this area, and there's a special elevator where only people with the bracelets can even walk into the room where the elevator is, you know? And so I'm walking to the elevator like this. I'm like, you may want to follow me, but I'm going with this bracelet into that room. I got full access. You don't, sucker. 
all right? And so we go into the room, and sure enough, we get on the elevator, we go downstairs, and then we get access to this room where they have food. And they had the most incredible, don't tell my wife I ate one, they had the most incredible cookies you've ever eaten in your life. It's like, it's, it's what happens when you're a god. Your cookies even taste better, okay? So this bracelet was incredible. And sure enough, we're there, and, all, and the families are there, and the athletes are coming out and getting their families. We see these guys that are getting paid three. I mean, it's full access, right? Full access to like the heart of it. Well, think about that. In Christ, you have full access to God. I mean, it's almost ridiculous to use that as an illustration because although people do worship these professional athletes, they're humans. They're going to die. Most of them will be done playing in five years, within five years. But when you think about it, in Christ, you, it's like you have that bracelet that'll get you to God. You, you don't even have to wait in line. All you got to do is pray to him and say, yes, God. So what the Bible is saying is draw near to God because of what Christ did for you. That is good. Second thing he says here, it's a, it's a possible thing for you to do. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Now, it's interesting because this exhortation to hold fast is important given that there's some opposition to these people that are going to read the letter. It's going to be hard for them to hold fast to their faith. There are some that are coming in and saying that their faith in Jesus Christ is not enough. And others of you, or many of you experience this. They, people hear about your faith in Jesus and they think it's real cute and it's kind of like a crutch and it's your religion, it's yours that you've chosen versus somebody else's, but it's all kind of the same. And what you confess is that, no, there's one way to God, it's through Jesus Christ. And what the author is saying here is that since you can enter the presence of God fully because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, then hold fast to your confession. Do not let go of your hope. Don't do it, even when times get bad. I was talking to a dear friend this morning, and she was saying, you know, I get into these seasons where, or I'm in a season where I don't feel close to God. And I'm telling you, this is the way relationships work. You have seasons where you feel close and seasons where you don't feel close. And it's in the seasons where you don't feel close that you must be committed to holding fast to your confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's in that season that God is going to really, really grow you and shape you and mold you into the person that he wants you to be. But it's not for certain. It's possible. Really, it has to do with you. Are you going to do the first two things I mentioned? Are you going to draw near to God? Are you going to hold fast to your confession? And then there's a third one here in verse 24. Listen to this one. so important. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, here's what he's getting ready to talk about. He's getting ready to talk about being connected to other people. Please do not underestimate how important it is that you're connected to other people. We live in a culture, in a part of the world that, that we were kind of told that you can do it on your own. You can't. You absolutely can't. And it's hard to connect with people, isn't it? It's easier sometimes to connect with a hobby. I read a story this week about this, this man who's in trouble. He's imprisoned, actually. He's from England. He murdered his wife. The reason that he murdered his wife is their relationship was struggling. Clearly, they were having a hard time connecting. So his wife, in a fit of rage, destroyed something that he was connecting with. His Star Wars collection set. That's the truth. This is the truth. Go look it up. So in a fit of rage, she destroys something that he is connecting with. And I guess in this man's 
life. It seemed easy to connect with these inanimate objects. He could do whatever he wanted to do uh, with them and to them, and they could make him, you know, he controlled everything. So connection was on his term, and so he had a relationship with these, obviously. But his wife, who's a living, breathing human being, which is not always easy to connect with, right? He had problems with. So she destroyed something he was connecting with, and he destroyed her. It's horrible. It's really tragic. Connecting is not always easy. But being connected to other people in the context of following Jesus Christ is essential. Absolutely essential. There's a problem, though, and that is that this attitude of, I'm going to connect on my terms. I'm going to connect on my terms. And I'm talking specifically about being a part of a church. The I connect on my own terms mentality says, I'll show up when I want to, I'll give when I want to of myself. I, really, at the end of the day, I'm in charge. I'm not submitting to God's, the body of Christ. But instead, what I'm doing is I'm kind of accessing it whenever I need to. I'm connecting it with it whenever I need to. This is a problem. This is not the kind of connecting that's talked about in the New Testament in the context of following Jesus Christ. You need to be connected with other people. First Thessalonians 5.14, Paul says these words, we urge you, brothers, he's talking to church leaders, admonish the idle. In other words, people that are being lazy in the body, try to get them stirred up, admonish them, encourage them. Goes on, encourage the faint hearted. Those are struggling in their faith, encourage them. Help the weak. There are weak among us, and all of us are weak at times. We must help those people. Be patient with them all. You need to be connected. In the New Testament, we see a pattern of the believers connecting every single week, regularly. And for them, in a time where they were persecuted for their faith, they had many people questioning their faith. They understood how important it was. And many of you are committed to gathering with the believers every single week. But some of you are not. You have kind of a connect on my own terms mentality. I'll, I'll kind of engage other people whenever I want to. Connecting is critically important. Look there in verse 24 as he goes on. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to me to get meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying here, you need to be in community, be connected with a group of people whose confession is what he's just said, that is that we can enter into the holy place through Jesus Christ, we can draw near to God, we hold fast to our confession, so this kind of people, connect with them regularly. Not just whenever it's easy for you, convenient for you, or your favorite sports team's not playing, or you don't have some other option, but regularly connect with these people and provoke one another is what he says here, what it means. Provoke one another. Now, when you think of the word provoke, you think of like uh, probably something negative, right? Like, like if you were to provoke me, you know, if I said, Tim, provoke me this week, then people would probably think that Tim and I got into a fist fight, which I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with Tim. Um, but, but what he means here is to provoke means to stir up, to, to move one another, to get in each other's lives. We're to provoke one another to what? To love. Everybody likes that, right? Like we get together, we're in relationship, we provoke one another to love, and we enjoy being together. But then he says, and good works, which I believe is a, a, a mention of the mission of God. 
We are to be in community together, connected together, so that we can provoke one another to love and also to good works. What is the good work? The good work is God restoring people to himself through Jesus Christ. You need to be in Christian relationships with people who are challenging you to reach unchurched people. We're to provoke one another to that. Let us consider, and it's interesting, even the first century, just not even a couple of decades after Jesus has ascended into heaven, there's a group of people that have neglected meeting together. Can you believe that? I'm actually quite encouraged by that. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, it's just a reality. It's part of church life as we must regularly be committing to one another that we're going to meet together on a really regular basis. You need one another. You need to be connected. How do we measure success at Neartown Church? Well, one of the ways is whether or not people are connected. And in those connecting relationships, are you, are you provoked to love God more? Are you provoked to love others more? Are you provoked to good works, the good work of God? It's not enough to just come and sing a few songs and listen to a sermon. It's not enough. This is, I realize this, and I've, I, don't, I know most of you, but I've worked in small churches, and I've worked in really, really large churches. And I have been in a large church with 18,000 members, and I see week in and week out people that come in, come to the back, listen to a sermon, enjoy the music, but go about their lives not being known by anybody. That's a problem. You will not really grow spiritually like that, not in the way in which you could. You will not experience what it means to truly draw near to God Almighty and the access you have to God alone. You won't. You need to be connected. Why? Because it's in you. You're created in the image of God. And although that image has been broken by sin, it's being restored by Jesus. And as it's being restored, you're going to realize how deeply relational you are, which is why relationships can be so difficult. Are you connected? 